Yes, it is the Chief Zone Podcast. Farzi Vasuki here with you. Oh, man. Uh, hey, it had to come to an end at some point, all right? Uh, it's, it's, it was inevitable, but unfortunately happened once again against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey, everyone, I'm Farzi Vasuki, and thank you guys for downloading and listening to the Chief Zone Podcast on iTunes and on Google Play, other podcasting outlets. Appreciate you guys, as always, making me part of your day. Very short week here on the Chief Zone Podcast. Here's what's going to be going on this week. Of course, we'll recap the heartbreaking loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what's going on on this podcast. Tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, I'll have the preview for the Raiders podcast up. So back-to-back days, we'll have a podcast up. The recap, of course, you're listening to right now. And then tomorrow, the preview against the Oakland Raiders, who fell, by the way, to the L.A. Chargers. So... Two teams both coming off losses, getting ready for Thursday Night Football. We know that's going to be an intriguing one, but we will discuss that later on. And then after the game against the Raiders, hopefully when the Chiefs battles back, we'll do a recap podcast that will be available first thing Friday morning. So uh, three episodes of the Chiefs on Podcast. I may do one more, maybe not. Kind of depending on how the week goes, I may do one more podcast. But keep that in mind, that's what's going on this week. For the Chief Zone podcast, I did the uh, for the first time this year. I did a Facebook Live. I know I said I would do more of them in the preseason. Didn't get much of that. And again, it is a preseason, but uh, a lot of people came out after the game for the Facebook Live conversation. So I appreciate you guys who did that after the loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I uh, definitely want to do more of that. I'm gonna actually make an effort to do more Facebook Lives after games, win or lose, uh, because I want to hear from you guys. Uh, a lot of times, I kind of wonder if. People are even going to show up to these things or, or people check out of their social media after the game. But here's what I'm going to do. From here on out, we will do a Facebook Live after every game. And if you want to be part of the conversation after each game on Facebook Live, well, go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugi. And that is my Facebook page. Give it a like, interact with me on there, and then you'll get a notification anytime I do go live. Uh, most of the, t- the time I'll do it uh, for post game. I may do halftime. I'll give that a try. I know I did that last year with the postseason game, but uh, my iPad, I was using my iPad at halftime, and the audio on that was absolutely awful, so none of you guys could hear me. Uh, but I used my phone for the uh, uh, for, for the postgame live. So I'll try to do a live as well for halftime. So if you guys are on Facebook during the game for halftime and for postgame, go to my Facebook page. You'll get a notification anytime I go live. Uh, notification will come right away when it happens uh so I'll, I'll do one at halftime and i'll also do one after the game so if you're on facebook give it a like and uh stay to stick around for the facebook live video uh during halftime and after the game so i'll be doing that as well if you're on twitter follow me at farzine 21 again you can follow me on twitter if you got both facebook and twitter great like my page and follow me on twitter and we can discuss the Chiefs on both social media outlets. You guys can also email me, Farzine, at FarzineVesugian.com. Hey, look, I mean, it's, it's tough. I remember in 2003, that magical start the Chiefs had, starting 9-0, uh, when they lost to the Bengals that year, that was tough. In 2010, when the Chiefs lost to the Colts, a heartbreaking loss because of that drop in the end zone to Dwayne Bowe, and then... In 2013, the NFL flexed the Chiefs to Sunday Night Football because of their hot start in 9-0 to start the season and coming off a bye week and the Broncos being 8-1. And unfortunately, the Chiefs fell to the Broncos on primetime football. And here we are once again uh, with the Chiefs off to a great start to, uh, to the season and being the last team to lose a football game 
losing this time to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know what it is, man. Uh, I got a couple texts from this from a few friends. Some of you guys mentioned this on uh, on the Facebook page during the live video. The Steelers just seem to have our number. They, they really do. The last time the Chiefs beat the Steelers, let's not forget, it was Landry Jones, as uh, Max Chapman and I uh, mentioned last podcast. So it, it, it's frustrating. It really is. Um, especially, and I think someone else, uh, Steve mentioned this on the Facebook page, uh, during the live video, it's not necessarily the loss, it's how it happened. And I think that's, I, I agree with that. I mean, that is the most frustrating part. Just the way that this game happened, just the way everything went. And, and the play call, we'll get into all of that. But man, I, I, I get so frustrated and I look at this and I think to myself, man, there were billions of opportunities and the Chiefs offense didn't wake up until the second half. You had, what, one first down and six yards of total offense in the first half? I mean, you're not going to win football games by just showing up in the second half. Listen, the Chiefs have done this a lot. I know I've said this uh, recently, that I have come to accept that the Chiefs are a one-dimensional football team. when it, they don't, they're, they're not very consistent. They're not very consistent. They're one-dimensional in terms of... When they decide to light it up. I mean, in this game, they decided to go off in the fourth quarter. Several other games we can go over. The Panthers game last year. The Falcons game last year. The Raiders game on Thursday Night Football last year. There have been certain instances where the Chiefs only only score for one quarter or one half. And they don't do anything the rest of the way. And somehow they still come away with a lot of wins. How? I mean, that's just beyond me. I think that's, I I said, I've accepted it with this football team. That's who this Chiefs team is, but that doesn't mean I I, I like that. And I don't think anyone does. I mean, look, this has come to haunt the Chiefs. You look at the game last year against the Steelers, you open up the the game, uh, the opening drive with a touchdown to Albert Wilson, and you won almost the entire game without another, another touchdown. Not until very late. When you had that touchdown pass, I don't remember who that was too, but of course, the only thing people remember it was that holding call right there that got called back. So, I mean, it's just you can't win football games, especially in January, by playing just one quarter or one half of great football. And I think a game like this is proof of that. It was proof of that in the Bucks' loss last year and the Titans' loss, coming to Arrowhead, beating the Chiefs like that. And look at look at how this game started. There's a comedy of errors on both teams. It was like that Benny Hill theme. The Chiefs have that high snap uh, that goes all the way back into the end zone, rolling out for a, for a safety, and then Dustin Colquitt punts the football. Antonio Brown, who's one of the best players in the game today, can't even feel the punt right, and the Chiefs recover it. Still can't get a first down or take advantage of that and only get a field goal. So you get a 3-2 start to the football game, and... Considering just how much the Steelers dominated this game offensively and defensively, the Chiefs lost by a score of 19-13 to in this football game. A touchdown in the end of the, of, of the game could have won it for the Chiefs. I think that's what's so frustrating to a lot of people because this was a winnable football game. The Steelers, every single fan kept saying this should be a blowout. How are we still in this game? And I think that's the most frustrating part. When you lose games like this, that makes it frustrating. And I've said this before. And someone else mentioned this on the live video. 
this is a bend-don't-break defense. This defense is really, really bad. They give up a lot of yards, but they don't give up a lot of points. That's just been the style of this defense for years. That's nothing new. But listen, man, when you look at that offense constantly going three and out, struggling to get a first down, couldn't even get their second first down until, what, midway through the third quarter? Of course that defense is going to allow a ton of yards. I can't fault them for that. You look at time of possession in this football game. The Steelers had the football for 36 minutes and 39 seconds. Kansas City, 23 minutes and 21 seconds. Of course that defense is going to be tired. Of course they're going to allow 439 total yards. 23 first downs for the Steelers to Kansas City's 12. Yeah, you want to complain about the defense getting tired? Yeah, sure, let's talk about that. Time of possession and first downs. Look at those numbers right there. I've said this millions of times. A good offense helps a good defense and vice versa. A good defense helps a good offense. If you, When the Chiefs are able to go out there and move the football the way they did, and I'm referring to the drive where they decided to forego kicking a field goal, they threw it to Demetrius Harris, should have been called a touchdown, and then emotions went crazy on both sides after that play there. The defense wasn't tired. They actually were able to go to the sidelines, get a breather, get a cup of water, rest up a little bit, whatever you need to do. And they came back feeling a little fresh after that. And I'm sure the Steelers offense felt the same way. But listen, man, if the Steelers, if an offense, if an offense is constantly going back to the field after three and outs from, from, an, from an opposing team, an offense is motivated by that they don't they they don't care if they have to play all game long so listen it's it is frustrating because this was a winnable football game and the defense the the defense didn't have a very good football game look I'll just say it it was a bad performance 439 yards that's a bad football game right there but you only allowed 19 points if you're allowing all these yards and you're still putting your team I take that back. I don't think the Chiefs defense put the team in position to win, but they certainly gave the team chances to win. I think there's a difference there between putting a team in position to win and giving the team a chance to win. If they're putting the the Chiefs in position to win, then they would have had more takeaways in this game. They only had one. Just that Marcus Peters interception should have been two with that Philip Gaines missed pick right there. Just a lucky catch for Antonio Brown. Uh, Just a heartbreaking uh, play. Uh, you just got to come away with a catch there. Uh, just frustrating. But uh, other than that, I mean, th- with this defense, what did they do? They held the Steelers to 12 points plus a lucky touchdown play that Antonio Brown got. This defense, I don't want to say that they showed up and went to work, but they didn't roll over. They didn't die in this football game. This offense, even, look, I give props to the offense for being able to rally late, but damn, man, you you can't score three points in the first quarter and then not do anything until the fourth quarter. That is the most frustrating part about this football game. That's the most frustrating part about the Chiefs and how they've played in games against the Bucs and the Titans last year in the regular season and last year in the uh, postseason against the Steelers and in this game. All the, these four losses that I'm pointing out, 
there's a common denominator, and I'll even point back to last year's loss against the Texans in Week 2. Inconsistency. The Chiefs' offense hasn't been able to be consistent for four quarters, and you can even look at some of the victories and say the same thing about this offense. And fortunately, the defense did enough to pull away in this in those games. And I'm going to tell you why your luck might run out in this case. I'll get to that later. But with everything you ha- you had going for you in this football game, Andy Reid going to forego that field goal and going for it on fourth down, I can't. I can't fathom that. I, I I thought it was a horrible idea. Yes, Demetrius Harris caught that pass, and I was shocked. I don't know if the Arrowhead uh, video team, if they just went to sleep and didn't put a replay up, or maybe Andy Reid and the coaching staff saw something that made them say that is not a catch at all. It looked like a catch. Everyone on social media thought that was a catch. I, I mean, he had the football in his hands, and he had two feet in, and then it was batted away. Uh, so I, I don't know exactly how the ruling on that goes. It might be similar to that Calvin Johnson catch. Uh, what, what what year was it? I think 2009, where he caught it, but then he, in celebration, threw it away, and they called it incomplete. So I, I don't know if, if that's kind of similar to the Calvin Johnson situation to what we saw with Demetrius Harris. Uh, but look, I mean, the... The wiser thing to do, I, I I appreciate the aggressiveness. I know we ask for that all the time, but take the points. And who knows what would have happened afterwards. Everyone would have played with a different sense of urgency, considering the Chiefs would have had three more points at that point. Uh, the score would have been 12-6. to six, And, of course, on the following drive, when the Steelers took over, the Steelers didn't do much, so they punted the football back to Kansas City. And that is when, if I'm not mistaken, I think they scored that touchdown uh, to DeAnthony Thomas with 6.13 left to go in the fourth quarter in the game. So this is this is just tough to take in. All the opportunities you had for going the field, field goal early in the fourth quarter, considering just how close the game was, you would have needed a field goal anyway. You needed a field goal and a touchdown to come back. And listen, this defense, I know they played really bad in the first half, but they did not allow anything in the second half except for that lucky catch for Antonio for Antonio Brown. They've allowed all these yards, and that's the only bad thing they did in the second half. If your defense can at least do that, you should be winning football games. This defense gave this team a chance to win in this game, and the offense, their inconsistency really hurt in this game. And, it, and we, when you look at the numbers, not the greatest numbers either. Kareem Hunt, for the first time this year, shut down on the ground. Nine carries, 21 yards. But not in this football game. Kareem, Kareem Hunt still pulled in five catches for 89 yards. So he still had 100 yards from scrimmage in this football game. Still more than anybody in the NFL this year. So fantasy owners, of course, they're jovial about that. Uh, DeAnthony Thomas, of course, had, 60, had that uh, 57-yard catch. He had 61 yards total on the day. Uh, to go with that touchdown reception, that nice touchdown catch. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, very, very quiet in this game. Kelsey, four catches for 37 yards, wasn't targeted until the second half of this game. Tyreek Hill had five catches for 34 yards. Uh, man, uh, Demarcus Robinson came through with a big catch on, on that final drive. Uh, but then Alex Smith missed some wide open twice, uh, which was completely frustrating because... Wide open situations, especially especially in, in that scenario right there, where you need to keep the drive alive to keep to stay alive in the game. 
that's that's just frustrating, and Alex Smith has got to take the blame for that. Uh, I know the offensive line wasn't giving him help, and he was not set on those throws. But man, when someone's wide open, you you gotta you've got to do better. And I'll I'll get into the Steelers and some of the things that went down in this game. But gosh, it, it, it is tiring to 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 see that Alex Smith. Everything that Alex Smith's done, I thought for sure he had an interception that he was going to throw last week. But with Marcellus and JJ Watt getting hurt. He kind of dodged a bullet there. I thought with this Steelers defense, I know they're not the greatest when it comes to yards given up on the ground, what this game would say otherwise. I thought Alex Smith, with the aggressiveness of this defense, he would have had a turnover in this football game, and he didn't. Alex Smith, with everything he's dealt with, he's been sacked so many times this year, and he still has not thrown a pick. He has not fumbled the football once this year. This is why Alex Smith is... is the early MVP so far in 2017. I know he didn't have the greatest game. 19 of 34 passing, just what, 55% of this football game, 246 yards, a lot of them coming in the second half. It's just that consistency. If the Chiefs can play four quarters, and look, I get it. The Chiefs are going to have bad games here and there, but this inconsistency with the offense is happening way too much, even with some of the wins. This is why the Chiefs aren't going to make it far in the postseason if they keep this up. Because you can't win games in the postseason if you're only dominating for just one quarter. The Chiefs, they scored a field, they kicked a field goal in the first quarter, three points. And in the second quarter, you got your 10 other points. Or I said second quarter, I meant second half in the fourth quarter. You got your 10 other points. So this is this is the most frustrating part that, that inconsistency, and if you can do that, if you can be consistent for four quarters, which the Chiefs have been shown have shown that a few times, you can be a much better football team. I know this whole thing coming from behind tends to be a little exciting. They were trailing ten nothing against the Patriots and the Redskins, so yes, they've had some exciting come from behind wins, but you don't always want to put yourselves in those situations. You just don't. Those are never ideal. So, uh, this is uh, this is just tough to, to take in once again. That inconsistency, again, if the Chiefs make it to the playoffs, it's going to come back to hurt them and they're going to have a short-lived postseason. Speaking of the postseason, well, obviously you've got to get there first. Listen, there's a lot to talk about with this Chiefs team right now. You've got injuries everywhere. And still, you, you lost for the first time this season. Just now, the last team to lose a football game. I give credit where credit's due to Alex Smith, dealing with the amount of times he's been sacked, dealing with a lot of backup offensive linemen, and so many injuries across the board on offense and defense. Spencer Ware is out. Yes, I know Kareem Hunt has been able has done a great job filling in, of course, but still, that's not to say you could not use Spencer Ware's services either. I mean, he could definitely be contributing to this offense right now. You've got injuries at wide receiver. Albert Wilson was unavailable in this game. Chris, Chris Conley was recently placed on IR. So you had Tyreek Hill and Jehu Chasson, Demarcus Robinson. I mean, you, you, you had guys that probably some casual Chiefs fans have never heard of before playing in this football game. The offensive line. Look, we know about... Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and Mitch Morse, of course, being out in this football game. You switch over to the defensive side of the football. D. Ford, who has been missing a lot this year. He came back in this game, had a big sack on the first drive of the game on third down, pushing the Steelers out of field goal range, which looked like a nice start for the Chiefs. But 
Uh, I mean, that was really it. The Chiefs could not put pressure on Ben Roethlisberger a whole lot in this football game. And I think part of it has to do with the amount of times Bob Sutton is constantly having Justin Houston be in coverage. And let me just say this real quickly. I know a lot of people are angry with Bob Sutton and have wanted for years to fire him. Slow down there. Slow down there. Because I listen to a lot of national radio, ESPN radio, Fox Sports radio, the NFL channel on Sirius XM. A lot of these former coaches, players, scouts, they praise Bob Sutton a lot. They they consider him one of the best defensive coaches and one of the more underrated and underappreciated defensive coordinators in the game today. Yes, something's got to be done about this whole Justin Houston thing, having him in coverage. He's labeled as a sack artist for a reason. Use him for his strengths. Don't use him for something he doesn't do constantly. So hopefully the Chiefs can make that adjustment because, man, that is just... Why are you... Why do you what's the point of having a guy who at one point almost broke Michael Strahan's single-season sack record if you're not going to use him with what he's good at? You you might as well trade him and get some sort of offensive lineman that, that can fill in these holes to help Alex Smith. I don't know. I'm not saying I want to trade Justin Houston, but if the Chiefs aren't going to use him for, to his strengths, what's the point? That would be like not using Kareem Hunt for the rest of the season. You know you've got the best running back in the NFL right now, clearly the best rookie in the league, and you're not going to use him despite how great he is. That's what the Chiefs are doing with Justin Houston right now. Going back to the injuries, of course, D. Ford came back. Uh, Tom Bahali might be removed from the PUP soon and could be available. We'll see. But man, you're without Eric Berry, who's arguably the best safety in the league. You're without... Steven Nelson, who was the best slot cornerback next year and was going to get an opportunity to start opposite of Marcus Peters. So you're dealing with guys like Philip Gaines and Terrence Mitchell. And Terrence Mitchell, gosh, man, I I had a lot of hope for him this season because he came late last year and did a phenomenal job helping this Chiefs defense in certain clutch situations, coming through to help the Chiefs defense close out a lot of offenses. And for him to have the season he's having this year, uh, just completely frustrating to watch. It's really frustrating to watch. Now, add in the fact that Charkandrick West and Tyreek Hill are both being evaluated for a concussion right now. Oh, and by the way, you've got a short week. You're playing on Thursday Night Football. So you're wanting your offensive linemen back. You, you've got guys dealing with concussions. Travis Kelsey... It's nice that he was available, but man, uh, it's just so rare. Not every concussion is the same. Every player recovers differently from from a concussion. So this is is just brutal to really take in with the Chiefs. And by the way, I've got to say this right now, and I'm I'm not using this as any excuse whatsoever, but that was a double helmet to helmet on Tyreek Hill, and nothing was called for that. Mitchell for uh for the Steelers. He he went, he drilled Alex Smith's leg, tried to take him out after he made that throw to Kareem Hunt. And by the way, he was getting up when Alex Smith was already on his feet. Alex Smith looked like he was about to go Connor McGregor on, on Mitchell right there. I mean, the league's got to look into this. And the Steelers have been known for this for a long time. And again, I'm not using this as any excuse whatsoever for losing the football game. Look, injuries are part of the sport. You've got to find a way to overcome it. And the Chiefs... With all the injuries they've dealt with, good for them for going 5-0 and to start the season despite all of these horrible injuries. 
Find me another team that can overcome losses like they have. So your starting running back, your star, your number two cornerback, your all-pro elite safety, all these players who the Chiefs have lost, and being without Tom Bahali to start the season. You're missing two offensive linemen, and the Chiefs still started the season 5-0. and Now, I mentioned just a few minutes ago, Sure, the Chiefs, maybe it could come back to haunt them the way they play inconsistently in the postseason. You've got to get to the postseason first. I get it. It's just one loss. Let's not panic. But at some point, you've got to be concerned about these injuries. I know what I said last last week about the injuries and why I think you should stay optimistic. And considering what the Steelers did in this game, kind of makes you wonder, how are the Chiefs going to respond next week? What if the Raiders... Do exactly what the Raiders did. I apologize. I meant what the Steelers did. I don't know if you guys just heard that. Uh, I, I was thinking of just for a split second, thinking of pausing that and redoing that part. I don't know if you guys heard that. My phone is far away from me. Siri just went off and reminded me that the Steelers beat the Chiefs. I'm not even close to my phone right now. Like the, It's so frustrating that even Siri, that who's... My iPhone is 10 feet away from me, and I'm getting a reminder somehow, like no one else is even in this room right now, unless there's a ghost or something. Siri just suddenly decides to remind me while I'm doing this podcast that the Steelers, uh, quote-unquote, eked a, a, a win over the Chiefs. I don't even know how that happened. I know that I know there's like some sort of voice activation if you say something. I don't know what I just said that could have, had, that, that could have triggered Siri to go off like that, but... Um, yeah, well, what do you know? Hey, uh, yeah, I'll just leave that in there. I'm not even going to edit that out. Uh, going back to what I was trying to say, what if the Raiders, what I meant to say was, what if the Raiders do what the Steelers did, except they do a better job of it? The Steelers exposed Kansas City in this football game. Horrible run defense, and you've got a banged up secondary, which leads to a, a pretty much a bad defense overall. And yeah, we'll get into this more in the preview podcast, but listen, Kansas City's injuries... There are so many right now. Maybe Tyree Kill being available could have helped the Chiefs on that final drive. But now with these injuries all taking place, if if you continue to, to get hurt more and more, teams are going to find a way to to get through all through all that. I mean, how can you not? You don't. You're, you're going to be without one of your biggest playmakers in Tyree Kill who's arguably the best punt returner in the game and maybe the most electrifying football on offense and, and on special teams. You're, and you might be without him too. So that's a very scary thing to think about. And I said before the season, before Kareem Hunt went off, I said, who do you have on offense? You have Travis Kelsey and you have Tyree Kill. Two guys who are... You've got Travis Kelsey, who's arguably one of the best tight ends, maybe the best tight end. And then you've got, you got Tyree Kill, who's... Arguably the best offensive weapon in the league. And you're banking on them to really stay healthy. And now here's one of them hurt right now. Who knows how long he could be out for. And with a short week against the Raiders. I'm just going to be realistic. I would love to be wrong in this case. But I don't think Tyreek Hill is going to be available in four games against the Raiders. There's a lot to look into here with this Chiefs team. A lot of injuries. I get it. It's just one game. I don't want to. I don't want to go down there and, and think about all of that. We have seen teams that get off to great starts, but then they just completely collapse in the second half of the season. Hopefully, Kansas City does not become one of those teams. 
but it could be, it, it, it's a possibility. If someone wanted to predict that right now, I could not fault them for that because this Kansas City team, they're in position to, to lose a few more games if they continue to get injured. And if, if there's a team out there that can replicate what the Steelers did except do a much better job of it, they can score more than 19 points against this Chiefs team and make it harder for the Chiefs to come back in situations like this. This is a tough one to swallow. It really is. 1913 Steelers once again get the best of the Kansas City Chiefs in this football game. Okay, I do want to talk about one other thing, completely unrelated to the game. Uh, for those of you who follow me on social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or even on Instagram, I know some of you guys do, which I which I appreciate because my my Instagram is full of boring stuff. It's about mostly my family and friends and my personal. Life. I don't consider them boring for myself. Maybe for you guys it could be boring, but. Nonetheless, I do appreciate you guys uh, that that do uh, interact with me, that do uh, have me on uh, Instagram as well. Uh, Friday night, uh, I was uh, working uh, with the uh, with the production crew for the uh, NBA preseason game between the 76ers and the Miami Heat. And uh, of course, as always, uh, there there were some players who were at the game. Uh, Tyreek Hill was recognized, and then right after Tyreek Hill, you saw Derek Johnson, Charkandrick West, and Marcus Peters, who were also sitting front row. So. Uh, Tyreek Hill was sitting, uh, I, I think, with his family, and then the other three were sitting together with with some other guy who I don't think was a Chiefs player, but they were uh, sitting together front row. I know Marcus Peters has been getting a lot of crap lately because of the protesting and the locker room antic, the the uh, back and forth with a fan. Um. Oh yeah, also the uh, altercation where he seemed to go off on Bob Sutton at one point. I get it. People aren't happy with Marcus Peters. If you want to judge him and dislike him for those things, fine. Look, you're allowed to. Uh, you're allowed to have these uh, opinions. Um, I posted this story on Twitter and Facebook, and a lot of you guys shared it on Facebook and retweeted it on on Twitter. In fact, I think Chris Jones, defensive end for the Chiefs, he retweeted it as well when he came across. I don't know uh, who he followed that allowed him to come across this tweet, but. Uh, I think he saw that and felt the need to to retweet the story I shared. And I also posted a video of, of the players being recognized on Instagram. Uh, and I don't have many followers on Instagram. I don't care to have a lot of followers on social media. I, I don't look into that stuff. I know a lot of people do. But for some reason, this video uh, got almost 450,000 views and more than 2,000 likes. Uh, I, I was kind of blown away by that. So... For some reason, me posting about the Chiefs players at the NBA game, uh, that went completely viral. I, I don't know why, but it just seemed to that seemed to be the case. I do want to share the story because this is the story that went viral on my Facebook and my and my Twitter. And if you again, if you follow me on social media, Facebook.com slash Farzin Vasugian, Twitter.com slash Farzin21, you have seen this already. For those who haven't, Marcus Peters was approached by a ton of fans during the game. And was signing autographs, taking pictures, and smiling the entire time. Didn't have a bad attitude about it. At one point in the third quarter of this NBA preseason game, Marcus Peters was, of course, sitting front row. He, no one was around him at the time. There was one kid that wanted to approach him and an usher. And I, I got tweets from people saying I was hating on the usher. I absolutely was not. But this usher... 
puts her hand in the way and tries to shield these uh, this kid away from Marcus Peters. Four other kids follow the, uh, that same kid, the first kid I mentioned, and they also wanted to, to get a picture with, with Marcus Peters. The usher says no. The usher turns them all away. And all, all these kids had like the saddest face ever. Should have seen it. What made you say aw? Marcus Peters turns around. He didn't know what was going on. He had his back to the whole thing. He's watching the game. But he turned around and found out all, that these kids were just turned away. And they were going back to their seats pretty upset. He immediately told the usher to let them through. And immediately all five of these kids ran back. The usher let them all go through. And took selfies with each and every single one of those kids. Took just a couple seconds to do so. Now look, I know... I got a couple tweets about this. People are saying, oh, well, did he stand for the selfies? Did he stand for the anthem? In the game? I don't know. I don't give a damn. I, 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 didn't pay, I didn't even know he was there until right before halftime. So look, people want to criticize him for what he does on game days, which is once a week. I guess in, in a case like this week, twice. Fine. I I, I know it in halftime. Uh, KCTV5, uh, during the uh, later afternoon games, the local media gives like a 60, 90 second news update and... KCTV5's lead story was Marcus Peters is still protesting. Like, I, I mean, we're just trying to move on from that. And the, I, I applaud CBS and Fox Sports for what they're doing in trying to not air the national anthem because I think that's a big problem with it. I know for the primetime games, they try to do that because it is a bigger stage. Of course, for the uh, for the Super Bowl, you've got to do it. The playoff games, you get the idea. But man, if you want to judge Marcus Peters and say all these mean things about him and say that he should be kicked off the team, how about you judge him for what he also does off the field? I've actually gotten tweets from people, and I usually just trust people when they tweet me these kinds of things, but I've had some tweets from people who have said that they've met Marcus Peters in person somewhere and he's been one of the nicest guys. Um, Marcus Peters, he I mean, don't think about those kids. Because kids love it when they see players. You can, you can have like the backup player out there. Charkendrick West is a backup and people wanted pictures with him even. They don't care that he's a backup. They care that he is on the Chiefs, their favorite team that at the time they were undefeated and had the best record in the NFL. That's what people care about. People want to go up to them and and and, and ha- make that quick memory that quick memory. Uh for those who are pro wrestling fans, you guys are familiar with the name Colt Cabana. He is a pro wrestler in the indie circuits. He's, he's, I think he was briefly with WWE once. I listened to his podcast once with Phil Brooks, who is also known as CM Punk, who's now with the UFC. And they both talked about how, at the end of the day, you see guys that, that want to come up to you and get an autograph. And the way Colt Cabana worded it, he said, you scribble your name for them and kids get excited for that. I don't want to say names. I'll, I'll say just one name right now, and that's Shaquille O'Neal. I was in Vegas uh, a couple of times this summer, and this was at the end of July. Uh, was in Vegas, and Shaquille O'Neal, who I I was a huge fan of as a kid, and when I was at the Venetian in, in Vegas, he was walking uh, out out from the elevator. If you've been to the Venetian, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a there's a coffee place just across from where the 
elevators are that take you to your rooms. And Shaquille O'Neal is walking out of the elevator area. And everyone's shouting his name. And some people, they didn't even want an autograph or a picture. They just wanted to high-five him. And he, he just completely blows off everybody. And look, I know it's Shaquille O'Neal. I'm not shocked by this. But to see that in person, man, one of my favorite players of all time, I hated seeing that. I really did. It was arguably one of the worst things I had seen as, as a huge sports fan. As someone who's been a huge fan of Shaq, I, I've got his jersey. I've got an autographed photo of him. And to see him just blow off fans like that, man, you're labeled as the most dominant player in NBA history by fans. You make millions of dollars because of fans. You have horrible rap music that fans still buy. And you just completely blow off all your fans uh, that just want a high five from you or just just like get a wave something uh i'm not gonna say uh certain players names uh i remember uh of course the royals on sundays they do that uh signature sunday where they have a few players come out and sign autographs and take pictures with fans and i remember there was one player for the royals again whose name i won't say but um I, my brother and I each we when when, when uh, my brother and I were kids, my parents took us to a, to a lot of games, and uh, I, I went up and took a picture with this with this player, and I, I mean he he looked at the camera when I took a picture. My brother, who's obviously I mean my brother, I don't even know if he has any recollection of this story, but he's obviously much smaller than me, and uh, I took the picture. Now it was his turn, and. He's standing next to the player and he wants to take the picture, but this this player isn't even looking at the camera. And my mom, who said it loud and clearly, says, "Can you please look at the camera?" And I looked. I turned over and looked at my dad. My dad was not happy about this at all. And my mom has a snapshot of my brother with this player uh, who. Um, Decided not, not to look at the camera, but was just staring off, had better things to do. I mean, look, he knows that there's a big line of fans. He knows that people are wanting to meet him and all that. I mean, it just bothers me when there are a lot of athletes and celebrities who do not give a single damn about their fans. Marcus Peters gives a damn about his fans. So you want to judge Marcus Peters for whatever, fine. But be fair and judge him for what he does for all seven days of the week. Because I'll tell you what, man, the way the way that I, like, if someone tells me, tell me about Marcus Peters, the first thing I'm going to tell them is what he did during that NBA game that I saw. Usher turned away five kids, Marcus Peters turned around, found out what was going on, and immediately called all those kids back and told the Usher to let them through. You want to really judge it? People have wanted Marcus Peters kicked off the team for, for really doing nothing, committing no crime. And I've said this so many times, look... If we can love and cheer for Tyree Kill, man, we can cheer for anybody. We can forgive anyone for anything they've done. It just shocks me just how people want to have it both ways. And you can't. You just absolutely can't. Don't get me wrong. I have criticized Marcus Peters on this podcast for some of the things that he's done with the locker room, the protesting, all that. But I've never once said that I wanted him off the team. And people who want that, just, just that's a flat out crazy thing to say. And you want to judge him on all that? Well, you know what? Now you've got another story about what he did in the uh, preseason game at the Sprint Center Friday night. 
You want to talk about Marcus Peters? The next time you're at a party and a Chiefs conversation starts, you you guys don't want to attack Marcus Peters. Well, please bring that story up because I think that 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 also needs to be explained to people about Marcus Peters. And I'll tell you what. And going back to the Royals thing, and I don't want people to like think badly of the Royals. Uh, you look at the Royals players now, or at least I hope they're still going to be on the team. I remember after FanFest, which emotions were high because this was just a little more than a week, I think, when Yordano passed, or maybe less than a week, I don't remember, but I remember there was a video uh, shown online, and clearly Eric Hosmer did not see uh, the cameras were on, or that someone was filming this because he had his back the whole time, but someone captured a video of Eric Hosmer greeting a little girl, looked like she was four or five years old, Eric had the biggest smile on his face, and the first thing he said is, hey, Welcome, what's your name? He, he's, he, it's not just him who does that. There are a lot of Royals players who do that. And the Chiefs, you're starting to see, and I know winning has a lot to do with this. You're starting to see more Chiefs players be more open to meeting fans and talking to them. I remember the last few years, you didn't really see that with this Chiefs team. You really didn't. And to, to give these kids the time of day, just to say hi to them, or, or quickly just say, what's your name? And then as Colt Cabana put it, scribble your name and give it to them. I mean, you're, that's that those few seconds right there, that's a lifetime of memories for kids. I still remember uh, this name I will drop because it's for a positive story. I remember uh, the year Dante Hall went crazy in 2003. Uh, my family and I are, are, are at a restaurant. And again, I think I was in seventh grade at the time. And all of a sudden, I see Dante Hall and some other guy sitting across the table from us. And immediately, I'm just looking at my parents the whole time and my brother. That's Dante Hall. Like, that's the guy who's being labeled as a possible MVP this year in the NFL. Just for his kick returns. And I approached him super nervous. uh, But he was completely nice. Gave a quick autograph for me. Asked my name. Asked my brother's name. Completely nice to my brother. And then I remember... Uh, there were a couple of kids from my school. Uh, one kid who was celebrating his birthday, he was also at the restaurant, and they all walked up to him and got autographs as well. And he gave them the time of day. So, look, I, I don't want to make it seem like all of them, all of the athletes and celebrities are like that. Most of them are, unfortunately. But, uh, man, I, I mean, here's my thing you make millions of dollars. If you don't want to be seen in public, don't go to these games or get a, uh, rent a suite for that event because obviously fans cannot go up there. Uh, it just bothers me that uh, you know you see these rich athletes and a lot of them don't give a damn about their fans. And I think that is just a horrible thing to do to your fan base. People who, who don't make millions of dollars, who still spend a lot of money on merchandise, on tickets, on overpriced freaking parking. All these things. And the least players can do is just take a quick moment to... Say hi, scribble your name, take a picture. That's all these people want. Just takes a few seconds. And look, Marcus Peters could have easily said, no, everyone's hating on me right now. And he didn't. Because he knows that they're just kids. He, he knows that they're all just fans. So props to him. And I really want people to hear that story. Because we get wait, we, we and I'm guilty of this too. I am. Uh, we, we get way too critical of people for one incident we see them do on the field when they get caught on camera. Yet we don't we don't talk about some of the good things that they do off the field. We really don't. 
And that should be talked about more often. So I hope, if anything, the next time you think of Marcus Peters, sure, you can dislike him. You, you have that right. But at least be fair and let it be known to other people what else he does other than just protesting or yelling at his defensive coordinator. Keep that in mind. Alright, so on this episode, we are not going to go around the NFL, out of bounds, or do the penalty flag segments. I will do that in the next podcast, tomorrow's podcast. So we'll actually do that in tomorrow's podcast, in addition to previewing the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. Both teams coming off a loss. The Raiders have lost four in a row after starting 2-0, so they're hungry for a loss. Kansas City wants to get back on track. A lot to talk about in that game. Thursday Night Football, Primetime Football, also going to be available on Amazon Prime as well. I do want to talk about that a little bit in the next podcast, too. Friday, I'll do a recap podcast between the Chiefs and the Raiders. Hopefully, we'll recap the Chiefs getting back on track. So, three episodes of the Chiefs Home Podcast. One down, two more to go. Maybe I'll do one more podcast, just kind of depending how this week goes with the Chiefs. I may do one more podcast that'll be available on Saturday. So, I'll let you guys know. And as always, I'm going to be doing Facebook Live videos at halftime and for postgame. I'll for sure do them postgame. I'll try halftime a couple times just to see how that goes. And if we get enough fans that join in uh, during halftime and for postgame, I'll continue doing that. So Facebook.com slash Farzin is my Facebook page. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Farzin21 and email me as well, Farzin at FarzinVesugian.com. Oh boy, tough loss. It's just the first one of the year. Let's see how the Chiefs respond from this. Yes, they've, they're dealing with tons of injuries, but let's see how they respond to this. A lot of adversity to overcome. And you're going into hostile territory against a team that is hungry for a win. Oh, by the way, it's a divisional game. So you know the intensity is going to be ten times higher than usual. Chiefs and Raiders will preview that on the next podcast. Be sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Let a friend know about it. Post the episode on social media. Helps the show greatly. Once again, big thanks to all of you guys for listening to this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. I'm Farzim Vesugian. I will talk to you tomorrow. We will preview the Chiefs and the Raiders Thursday Night Football. That will be next.